The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. The one-two pitch, ball line to Yout, it's short, he throws, it's over! The Brewers have won the American League pennant! Milwaukee, you have a World Series! Hit in the air... Yount makes a great catch, and Juan Diemus has thrown the first no-hitter in Milwaukee Brewer history. Swings, and here it is! A base hit in the right center. He's done it. 3,000 for Robin. And there's a drive in the left field. This is hit well, and it's gone! Morgan a smash up the middle, base hit the center. Here comes Gomez around third. A throw and the Brewers win. The Brewers are moving on on a base hit by Nigel Morgan. Here it is. Yelich sends one to right center and deep. Get up, get up, get out of here and go for Yelich. You're cruising for a bruising with me, Andrew Snyder. And me, Adam McGee. As we talk all things Milwaukee Brewers for the Eurostep Podcast Network and Blue Wire Podcast. Hey, we're, we're coming to you without having to recap a series. This is going to be a lot like our off-season podcast, a little more free-flowing. We've made it to the All-Star break. The uh, nearly past the All-Star break. The National League actually won an All-Star game. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. won a home run derby. Julio Rodriguez put on a show. But before all that, before we dive into potential trades, talk about more draft picks. Hey, Adam, how you doing? I'm doing well, Andrew. I was worried about you there for a second. Like, does he does he know where to go with this intro? It's like once you started, you're like, wait, there's no there's no games. It's, it's been a while. Um, this is the only time in the year we get to do this where it's not all games, 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 with the exception of the offseason. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's nice. We've talked about it before. It could be longer. Based on how the Brewers are playing at the moment, maybe it could be shorter. But here we are, and we're certainly we're f- fixing our eyes on the road ahead. We're locking back in on the important questions facing the Brewers in the next few weeks. Yes, we are. Uh, day two and day three of the MLB draft also happened. Uh, not going to name every player picked. Um, there's some 
you know, great resources online if you want to go through pick by pick. But we do want to shout out a few standouts before we talk about, you know, taking a look at what this team needs to finish out the season. Uh, one of which is Eric Batoni, a shortstop from Aquinas High School in California, six foot four. Uh, it sounds like he's going to be a third baseman uh, in pro ball. Uh, he played for the Brewers area code team, 17 years old on draft day. And it seems more of like a, a project as they kind of develop his hit tool and if he grows into some power. So exciting third round pick there at number 87. But um, I think the the real surprise and the steal of the draft that many people are saying is uh, their sixth round pick, who they got with the 182nd pick of the draft, Cooper Pratt, a shortstop from Magnolia Heights High School in Mississippi. Another six foot four, a shortstop. He's committed to Old Miss, Old Old Miss, uh, much like uh, Josh Josh Noth, I believe it was. Um, at you know, Adam, I almost did my online MBA at Mississippi State, so uh, that basically That's counts right. as being a basically counts as being a fan. So you know, really love just the Brewer stealing all these uh, Old Miss commits. Uh, it seems like a great thing. Uh, there were some questions I think around the pick uh, the pick about signability, um, but it all indications it seems like. Uh, they expect to be able to sign him and get him into the organization uh, here on uh, Brew Crew Ball. Uh, Jack Stern's write up about the draft. He mentioned that scouts have compared him to Orioles infielder Gunnar Henderson. So pretty exciting that they were able to scoop him up due to those signability concerns. And if they can get him into the organization, another projectable uh, middle of the field talent Um who obviously, given his size and depending on how he develops and grows, could also be potential for third base. But yeah, pretty exciting uh, for a, a day two pick that far deep into the draft. Jason Woodward from Florida Gulf Coast University um, just went under, underwent Tommy John surgery in March, so won't see him into the organization until 2024. Ryan Burchard, a Niagara County Community College pick, a right-handed pitcher. Um, Craig Yoho from Indiana, a position player that was converted to pitching for t- full-time for the first time. This year, so an interesting pitching lab uh, pickup there in the eighth round. Yeah, but that's just a, a selection of names early that went on day two. Obviously, you can uh, find any of the the great bre- brewers blogs across the internet, like Brew Crew Ball or Reviewing the Brew. Uh, did some roundups, and you can uh, see further down the draft board. But yeah, uh, any thoughts on some of those pickups, Adam? I know I just went kind of fast and furious. No, I don't really have a whole lot. I mean, I was excited by Cooper Pratt because it was immediately clear how excited everyone else was about that pick. And certainly sounds like there's a lot of promising signs there. Let's hope they they manage to get a deal done, get him signed up and in the organization. It seems like they should be able to. I mean, with the kind of profile of guys they picked before that, and it seems like those in the know feel pretty confident that the signings will work out in a way that the Brewers will be able to go a little bit above and beyond to make sure Cooper Pratt does sign on. If they do that, I mean, a draft that, as we talked about, really is true the first three rounds on the last episode, looks really good for the Brewers. Like, in theory, it's a long way to go, but lots of lots of reason to be kind of optimistic about what they've got going here and what will add to their existing group of talent in the farm. So, yeah, the, just the idea of them making picks that seem pretty good and solid and make a lot of sense and have a, a clear and obvious appeal up top and then getting to somewhere like the sixth round and coming away with a player that a lot of draft analysts seem to feel like it could be a real steal. Hard to have any complaints with that as a Brewers fan. 
moving on, uh, Matt Bush signed a minor league deal with the Texas Rangers. Cool. Uh, Tyson Miller, who was DFA'd uh, earlier in the week, has been traded to the Dodgers for cash. So two relievers no longer with the organization have found other organizations. Um, Adam, where do you want to steer this next? I know you sort of had kind of the framework for how you wanted to present our overarching conversation today, but yeah, maybe I'll turn it over to you and then, then I can, uh, uh, backhand it back much like uh, a tennis match. Wimbledon's going on right now. Yeah. Well, I think the idea of this, We'll we'll get into some names. I'm sure you are, as always, better prepared to scan your eyes around the league and deliver some players you might have your eye on. Um, More than that, though, I wanted to talk about the idea of this trade deadline and where the Brewers are at in a kind of bigger picture sense and try to work out what we're feeling on it, what the pros and cons are of the various approaches that they may take. Uh, We know that what happened last year is likely going to inform some of what they do this year it's not really a secret in terms of the reporting around the team in terms of even some of the quotes we've seen from people involved in the team over the last year and when you put all of those various pieces together i think being stung last year and really paying the price for it having good up-and-coming talent beginning to make a mark and being able to see the next wave and the wave after that coming pretty fast up behind them uh, maybe it's you know Christian Yelich finding a little bit of form, and then you've got some of your marquee talents who uh, you could be extending or you're more than likely going to be seeing leave the organization soon. All of that creates a kind of interesting soup, we'll call it. Um, a lot of ingredients, and let's let's try to get to the bottom of what makes sense. What should actually be in this soup, Andrew? What has no place here? So uh, I think before the the recent Brewers run, my read was that a lot of Brewers fans are reaching a place where it was like, let's cash in. Let's trade some of these guys off. Let's trade at least maybe one very high-profile player who the writing is on the wall for his future. This obviously being Corbin Burns. Could be other guys, but Corbin Burns being the most obvious and let's continue to retool. And there's something there, and let's build towards that. Since that point, the Brewers have heated up considerably. Worth noting that Corbin Burns has also heated up considerably, uh, which, honestly, good outcome for whatever direction the Brewers want to take this. If he stays and he's pitching better, great. Maybe his value is not going to be hurt by the fact that it looks like he's found something again either. We'll see on that. But I think everyone was leaning one way, and I think we're probably much closer back towards a middle point. Does that seem fair to you, or is that reflective of what, where you're at or what you're thinking with the Brewers just under three weeks from the trade deadline? Yeah, I think, I think that's where I'm at, and I'll get ahead of this before we even talk about the league at large. Obviously, Corbin had that um, really tough start that I was at against... Uh, Arizona, where he allowed seven earned runs in five innings, and then he's uh, had a, you know, an up and down start against Cleveland, um, where it looked like it was going well, and then it wasn't. Then he was great against Pittsburgh, really good against Cincinnati. Maybe seems to have found something going into the break. So that's a positive, like you said, on both fronts. Whether or not he's helping the Brewers reach the playoffs, or if he's being traded, um, I'll just get out ahead of it and just give my definitive stance on the situation. 
the Brewers need to have had a terrible middle of July, end of July, and be convincingly out of the playoff race for me to think that they should trade Corbin Burns. I say that knowing that from a value standpoint, that statement might be stupid. But with the uncertainty around Brandon Woodruff coming back, obviously we expect to have him in the rotation um, and you know be Brandon Woodruff. But I think if you're in the playoff race, you just can't you can't you can't give up on the Corbin Burns experience here, here in Milwaukee just yet because what do we talk about, Adam? Bites at the apple, and I think a bite at the apple is a lot more appealing if you've got Corbin Burns and a healthy Brandon Woodruff in that rotation. That being said, if they're convincingly out of the playoff race, if they go and get swept by the Reds, if they lose six in a row to the Braves and then lose to the Reds again and the Phillies give them a tough time, then sure, get out ahead of it. Get the most value you can for him uh, at a time where his value will be higher than it will be at the offseason in theory. So that's kind of where I'm out in on this. It's it's pretty much, it's I guess, is binary the right word? Like, it's cut mm-hmm. and dry for me. You're, if you're in the race, keep him. If you're if you've fallen off a cliff, cash it in. But don't try and don't be in the race and make the future decision because I think, I mean, I, I just, I, I can't, I don't think they can go through that again. And it's also uh, with the fan base and the value of a guy who's uh, can give you six quality innings more often than not, if that's who he's turning back into. Uh, is just something they can't afford to lose for the rest of the season, given some of the uncertainty around the the back half of the rotation as well. I think I'd listen to to offers. Um, I think where I'm coming out on this is in a vacuum, which is very much not a vacuum. It's it's the time to trade him. It's the time to trade him, and maybe. You can get a good enough return. You can get whether it's a quality young pitcher or it's, you know, you're getting some prospects, but there's a solid, reliable rotation pitcher in there who's going to kind of help you to tread water and maybe make the playoffs anyway. Um, I, I think this is your chance to get, obviously, the best possible return is left for you to get at this point. The problem the Brewers have is what they did last year and the very well-publicized impact that had on the clubhouse and the impact it had with fans. And if we're going to add to that, <laughs> the impact it had in the field, which is the Brewers got worse out of what happened at the deadline last year. Uh, last year was probably not the time to go in that direction, particularly for what they got. Parts of that are working out better now in terms of what they've been turned into. We still listen. We don't. We don't need to dive too back, too far back into that. But at the same time, that was the move. That is, you, you kind of get one, dare I say, bite at the move. That's a really tough one for your players to digest, for your fan base to digest. That signals okay. There's, if not a full reset, there's a realignment happening. And everyone's going to have to process it and move on. I don't think you can do it two years in a row. And I think they might ultimately come to pay for that. Um, I think they may look back at kind of this spell and be like, we botched that and we didn't necessarily get the best value or maybe even get the best on-field 
team that we could have had through that period of time, maybe in part because of the sequencing and maybe in part because they made that move last year with little consideration for what the knock-on effect would be. And, I mean, Josh Hader's teammates were pissed. <laughs> There's no way they're putting it. Like, guys are like, what? We're trying to win? We're here trying to win. That's our focus every day we go out there on the field. We're in a strong position in the division. And you're trading, you know, our multiple all-star closer, one of the best relievers in the league. We know quite well that Josh Hader was going through the greatest struggles of his career to date. But there was always a possibility that, sure, he could come out the other side of it, which is what has happened this year. I think that feeling among players on the team, but also maybe importantly, like just a wider perception of what the Brewers are is damaged much, much more by trading Corbin Burns now. So I don't think they can do it. But this is this really would be the time. And as much as I'm quite excited and I'm excited about where the season is going, a lot of that excitement is fueled by seeing kind of the longer road ahead, whether that's imagining, oh, well, maybe Christian Yelich is going to be like <laughs> a real contributor to this team for multiple years as young talent comes up around them. And the Brewers start to kind of take their form in a new shape, the new iteration of them. Maybe it pans out this year and we get some, we get to the playoffs and we get a fun series or we get a series win or they go on some kind of run. I still think that's pretty unlikely. And then you're going to be trading them in the summer, not the summer. It's my NBA brain always does that in the off season. Um, and that's, that's going to be at a much lower price. And what are you getting for Corbin Burns then when you're not keeping Corbin Burns? I don't know. It's part of it is like the, the ship has sailed and inaction brings you to this point. Well, like I, I do think if we were able to just be really cold and calculate about it, you trade him. I just, they might've, they might've used up that bullet with everyone a year too early because and they should have been aware of that because these were the decisions that were always going to come. We're talking about Corbin Burns, but these kind of conversations can equally apply to Willie Adams or Brandon Woodruff with how their contract situations are. And we don't really know how the Brewers will handle any of that. So uh, that's where I'm at. I mean, it, that's kind of, it's an answer and a non-answer. Um, because yeah, I, I, think both did. <laughs> I think there's something that really makes sense, but I, I think it's, borderline impossible to do because of damage you've done before and because the damage could be tenfold greater and even if you're like if we're to take a sympathetic approach to uh to ownership which is not something we do very often i don't know how let's say you trade corbin burns and there's patience required and the product on the field immediately drops off a cliff like last year. Like they don't even hang around to be in a playoff race. Like, do you remember what the attendance is like at the end of last year? Uh, that's going to be a problem very, very quickly. And in a lot of regards and for various other bigger picture reasons, maybe that's a problem that as Brewers fans, it's not going to serve anyone well at this point. So I don't know. I feel this is kind of, 
it's a complex situation all around. Um, I can see the very, very clear merits in trading him. I just think that would be a ballsy move, and it would have to be, it would have to be apparent almost immediately that how could you turn this down? This is going to give us multiple shots that are better than the shot we're going to have this year. That kind of situation. I th- I think uh, you're spot on. Uh, it's obvious, obviously, that the the value is going to be higher now than in the off season. But I'm still optimistic about them getting a return in the off season, and. The reason why is you've got a lot of high-profile teams out there who had really disappointing seasons and probably will continue to have really disappointing seasons. Steve Cohen's uh, two aces, Adam, they're pretty old. Uh, maybe you want to add Corbin Burns and extend him. Padres had a terrible year. The Red Sox are have floundered for two years now. They're actually playing well lately, but par- partially because they uh, just swept the A's, although we know that that's not a given. Um, so I think there will be suitors. For Corbin Burns, they won't be able to get as much uh, as they would get if they traded him with a stretch run and another year of control left. Uh, but I am still optimistic they'll be able to find a deal where we're able to pick out some of the prospects prospects and say, "Oh, I can I can be excited about that guy." the The other issue um, that I guess propels our further conversation is, in terms of value kind of the scarcity of a pitcher like Corbin Burns on the market right now, I guess who are the most high profile pitchers that are potentially available? Um, Lucas Giolito with the White Sox. He's a rental. Um, Shane Bieber with the Cleveland guardians. They're in first place at 45 and 45 people have been speculating about him being traded for the same reasons. They're speculating about Corbin Burns being traded. So you've got the, you've got the best available arm in terms of probably the, you know, the totality of his last three years. Uh, So it's, I imagine there will be people making those types of offers. Um, I guess it just depends on how these next few weeks go. The issue, I think, for trying to figure out a trade deadline conversation at all is who are the sellers? The five AL East teams, all at least five games over 500, they're probably not selling. The central you got the Guardians and the Twins battling it out at the around 500 top of the division race. And then you've got the Tigers, White Sox, and Royals, who uh, the players that are compelling on some of those teams are not guys that they're going to be looking to move um, as they hope to return to some semblance of competency over the next few years. In the West, the Rangers and Astros battling for the division. You got the Mariners who are trying to get themselves back into it. Uh, the Angels have been in a tailspin, one and nine in their last 10 games. They've lost five in a row. Mike Trout's hurt. Um, there's a question about whether, you know, how many starts Otani will make on the mound uh, here going forward. I think he's got, was it a blister issue? I can't remember. Um, then you've got the A's who have some risky but appealing names. And then, uh, yeah, that's the AL in the NL. Are the Mets going to sell or the Nationals going to sell. Nationals probably will. Who knows what the Mets probably should. This year's probably lost, and then they need to go out and offer a boatload of prospects for Corbin Burns in the offseason. That's my plan for the Mets, uh, free of charge. You can take that. Uh, In the Central, Cardinals, Pirates, Cubs, are you going to have a dance partner with any of those teams? You know, I wouldn't think so, but yeah, who knows? And the reality is that is possibly where some of the the major sellers come from. Like, the Cubs are... I know you're talking about kind of top starting pitchers out there. Marcus Stroman is being viewed as maybe the most gettable 
best starting oh, yeah, pitcher. Um, yeah. yeah, I feel like the Cubs. Cubs could definitely be a seller. I know the Cardinals. Uh, Nolan Arenado was even speculating. Yeah, yeah maybe I'll be traded. Uh, it's the situation we're we're in right now. Like they may well be the sellers. Uh, very unlikely that the. Brewers are going to be doing deals with any of those teams, even less so deals around a player like Corbin Burns. Um, so, yeah, it's when, it's a tough when you don't landscape. have a lot of sellers, it's just tough to pick out the market and who's going to do what. And when the sellers are just like, I mean, if you go through the Royals and the Tigers roster, it is bleak. I did that last night. It's awful. But then part of that is about like every every team who's not like way out in front where they've got a clear path for their second half of the season dictated. If you're not the Rays, if you're not the Orioles, you've got an element of the right phone call can make them sellers. You know, it's they may not be proactively selling. I, I think that is that's got to be where the Brewers sit, which is no, we're not selling. We're right there. But if the right team lifts up the phone and offers up a deal that's really, really compelling for Corbin Burns, then maybe like that is where the possibility arises. Now, again, I think it's super tough. It's a really tough sell to your players. It's a really tough sell to the fans. Honestly, it's probably a tough sell to ownership because of how tough of a sell it is to players and fans. But it's possible if you so if and I know you're kind of leading what you wouldn't be making a trade. I've got a team. Go on. The Dodgers. And okay. I need that. I need that deal centered around Bobby Miller. Starting pitcher. And you say centered have... around. So so what would you yeah. be? What would the rest of what would you be feeling that? deal out how would that look to you uh, what's your like, this is the question is what is your ideal Corbin burns package which uh, you seem on your way to answering hold on let me i was looking at this last night but i did i didn't build out a full deal i just you know bobby miller hasn't had a like a stellar rookie season but he's he's shown flashes and he's a starting pitcher that you you could build around six build around six five two twenty uh, right-hander um uh i would need maybe michael bush in that deal as well uh who's a a hitter uh second base probably at the big league level i think and give him some time in third but maybe he's he struggled uh and then maybe ryan pepio another pitcher something like that Pro- probably not they're probably not going to part with diego cartaya who's a catching prospect and uh obviously you can never have enough good prospects, but with William Contreras and Jefferson Carroll on the way, they'd probably feel pretty good about that. Dodgers also have another catching prospect, uh, Dalton rushing as well, but you know, uh, some young pitching coming back, uh, and maybe a bat three or four guys. That's kind of what I would be looking at. Although to your point, uh, the issue with the Dodgers is they probably don't give you like, like the, the back half of the rotation guy to get you through the season is kind of what you talked about. Also well, getting in the Burns deal, but Bobby Miller does walk into the rotation if if you yeah him. yeah and I, like the right deal doesn't necessarily have to include that. Like if it's what's the Godfather offer, 
if the Godfather offer is one where you're like, well, it's going to make them considerably better, kind of coming through to their ceiling on the other side of it. It doesn't. It doesn't. You might be taking the hit on part of this season, or hoping that you just piece something together. Which, let's be honest, all they've done this year is piece stuff together anyway. And with Woodruff, hopefully, I mean, knock on wood, if he was to come back soon, like part of how you might view navigating the rest of the season would be, well, okay, if Woody can come back and be Woody, let's just slot him as where Corbin was. And the rest of the rotation stays pretty much the same as it has been. The like, other team from a pop prospect standpoint that makes a lot of sense that you probably don't get that immediately ready for the big league's arm unless you get Grayson Rodriguez is the Orioles with guys like Jordan they Westberg. They were the team I was thinking of. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Well, I just I think when you think of what is the team, like someone like the Dodgers or... If the Mets were in a different spot, obviously the Mets were having a good season, you'd be like, yeah, that's the kind of move they make. As you said, it could be the kind of move they're all over come the offseason. Um, but the Orioles have maybe got better than they expected ahead of schedule. And they're already in a place where they're pretty young and their best players are young and they're they're promoting and they're promoting. And it's like they're they're in a spot where you can balance out your roster and you could get like you could get a big dick pitcher right now and you, you can push this to the next level and you could go and you could go and win a world series like this year, next year, the opportunity is there for you in a way that maybe you hadn't seen. And you have the fl- flexibility to be able to go and do that much easier than teams who are already kind of tied up with very high payrolls. Now, obviously there's some teams where <laughs> there's no ceiling to the payroll, but they seem like the profile of a franchise where it's like, okay, this could make sense for all parties where they have enough that they may be more willing to give up real quality prospects than some other teams because they're already kind of down the road and they're already seeing good returns and some of their best young players. And it might just be like, is this the time to really sprinkle in, you know, some top tier pitching? former Cy Young winner. So th- th- they were the team that when I was thinking of it, I was like, they might be the one that would make sense. But again, a lot of that, like the flip side of the conversation is, well, the Orioles could just do nothing <laughs> and keep doing what they're doing and knowing that they're going to get even better or they'll still have the opportunity to kind of make those trades further down the line for players of that ilk. It doesn't always work out like that, though. And that's kind of their own balancing act that they'd have to work out the reason i placed them below the dodgers is because i think the team trading for corbin burns wants to believe that they're going to he's got to resign yeah yeah and i think the dodgers could talk themselves into be like being like okay we're gonna get burns now we're gonna take care of like one part of whatever we view our uh next phase as and then we're gonna go get shohei uh in the offseason and then profit I guess would be the the end of that. That's not what happened. Sure. Um, Seems seems like something the Dodgers would do. Uh, The fact of the matter is, is you know we've talked a lot about Corbin, a player we don't think that they are going to trade and that they're going to need for this stretch run. Really, what's going to be a big factor into that is the gauntlet of July schedule dates that decide whether or not this team is a team that can make a a run and win the division. We have to see also if the the Reds are still sustainable. Great lineup. 
fueled by rookies? Do they have some sort of regression? Does the weakness in the rotation start to show? I mean, I can't remember what the exact stat was, but uh, J.R. Radcliffe was talking about Luke Weaver, who has like an eight-something ERA, and they've won their last five starts. Like, can things like that keep happening for the Reds? Maybe they can, maybe they can't. And, you know, this is not the last time we'll have this conversation because we'll have a lot more clarity after that gauntlet of series, after they, after I watched them play two games in Atlanta, which is going to be hell, uh, we'll have a very clear picture about what the deadline looks like in terms of Corbin Burns or in terms of, okay, we can go out and make a run. This team has proven that, you know, they can battle through adversity and now they're ready to go and take this division by stranglehold. How can we add to the team? We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's flip it on on its head then. Should the Brewers be buyers? Uh, I think they should be. If they're locked into this uh, race against uh, the Reds, I think there are marginal upgrades that they could potentially make that give them a better shot than the team that they are right now. And I guess I'll turn it over to you in a minute, but the biggest need on this team is the same need it was last year just more the problem is exacerbated because of uh injuries and underperformance and whatever it may be this offense until recently has looked pretty dire at times can you hit and dh first base right field are the three positions where they've gotten some of the lowest production in the league and uh i think their options on the market are that are not necessarily exciting, but floor raisers in terms of what this offense could be. And I'll turn it over to you, Adam. Should the Brewers make moves all around the edges at the deadline to improve their team? My gut instinct is to kind of see this true. Maybe you make a very fringe move. Um, uh, it's not to say I'm in any way opposed to the Brewers making moves that are going to make them better this year. But my question every time is going to be, well, what is the cost? What is the cost in terms of prospect capital? 
Are you going to part with someone who might actually be of use to you for a rental? We know how that can backfire. And is it worth it? Are the Brewers looking like a team where you just you take that flyer regardless? Um, they're coming to a point of transition. You're not in the upward swing where you've got, say, a long road in front of you with Burns and Woodruff, where it's a case of, sure, prospects, who needs them? You know, let's trade some prospects to get better in the now. The prospects are going to be the now very soon. So I don't I don't know what the deals would look like, what kind of tier of prospects we're getting to, how quickly that might be something where you're like, Ugh. I know every team can be guilty and every fan base can be guilty of becoming too guarded of their own prospects. Um, but I don't know. I don't know if there's going to be the surefire. Well, that's guaranteed to work out. You go and you do that because the benefit is there. Because I don't even like, there There are a couple of names that I looked at and I'm like, okay, well, you've got all these guys who are rentals who are going to be free agents. You've got some other guys then who are like under contract that you'd have team control on. I'm like, maybe they want that guy now. Do they want that guy beyond now? Would the next, would trading that player a year from now net a return to make it worth what you might gain over the next few months? I think that's that's a tough equation. Again, I guess part of this is the birds in a point where they're somewhat treading the past and the future right now, and that's what the roster is. And maybe you can pick the right moves to kind of to give you that injection you need and to make all of that into a more compelling present. But if you're asking me at this point, what way am I going to lean in terms of where is my priority? Is it to the present or is it to the future? I am I am inclined to lean to the future because I think the future of this team could be really, really bright. As much as I would love to see playoff baseball, I'd love to see them go and make some noise in the playoffs this year. I think it could very soon be a reality that this team could just get back to that on a yearly basis. Um, like Brewers fans have largely come to be accustomed to. Part of it is, well, Brewers fans are accustomed to that, and there's this feeling of, well, you got to go make the move, and you got to stay there. This might just be the time, though, where you see it out. You might get there, you might have a chance anyway, and you see what comes next. I don't disagree at all. I mean, DH has been a big problem first base has been a big problem. I think it could be right field. It could be, you could get a center fielder either and move Joey Weimer back to right. But I, I think looking at some of the concerns that quite frankly we have there, like in terms of what, what how long are Blake Perkins and Ronald Tapia for this roster and what, what is your real upside when that's what you're doing? Uh, maybe Tyrone Taylor comes back up at some point, maybe Sal Freelich comes up, and if they're in your plans and you feel like that's feasible, well, maybe that's what you do to kind of see out this season. Uh, but otherwise, yeah, you could do something that's going to kind of move your, your outfield around. You, this was your prediction last year, and things got very explosive, where you were like, I think it's going to be a quiet deadline for the Brewers. They'll just pick up, like, maybe... Maybe a reliever, a solid reliever tied to the bullpen. 
I would not be opposed to a solid reliever add to the bullpen, um, or two, because that is that is actually for as much as there are real problems at multiple positions offensively. The bullpen is what has been causing the most difficulty lately, even as the offense has picked up, because it's where you've ended up in those spots where guys are having to go multiple innings, where you're bringing up guys that you're you're already basically planning to DFA the next day because you're just having to burn through arms, burn through arms because you're in close games, close games, close games. It would be nice if they could break beyond the, oh, we've got five good relievers and get to a place where they can manage being in two to three close games like in a week where that's that's not a deal breaker you can have a few days in a row that's obviously tough for any team you're never going to have something where it's perfect but i think like the world for the brewers where say peter strzelecki doesn't lose it and if he was still up at the team at the version of him we had last year like add that to bryce wilson hobie milner elvis Peguero, yo pimes devin williams that would have been a massive boost um, I think their hope was probably Shrez would go and find it again in Nashville. The opposite has happened. I think last time I looked, he's given up two earned runs and three earned runs in his two starts, or not his two starts, his two outings there. So five earned runs across two innings pitch from memory is what he'd done, which is just not what you want. Maybe that ship has sailed. If you get another good reliever in the mix, whether it's someone that's going to, you know, come in and get the sixth if you've got a starter who goes five and or maybe it's towards the other end you know maybe maybe you go for one of the bigger name relievers which there will be quite a few who seem like will be available and it's someone who gets maybe a little bit closer to Devin and Elvis and Yoel move a little bit further kind of down the order I don't know um, that is probably where I would be going is for a reliever because I do think the bullpen is the problem and it's the one that you can maybe bolster at the lowest cost. I mean, there are players, there are options I like. You can do some of the other things, but I I just don't know. I'm enjoying the resurgence of the Brewers heading into the All-Star break, them looking like a real team. I don't know if I'm seeing enough to be like, get aggressive, get aggressive, you know. Let's let's move some prospects and let's let's bring in some rentals and let's make a push here. I don't think it's there, and it might just be a case that you know you're better using those prospects in a trade in the off season or next year trade deadline or whatever it might be. I think there are certain players out there who are enough of an upgrade to make you better in the lineup without having to give away a meaningful prospect, like the guy that. And second drinking game that Cruising for a Bruising has. Uh, first one's me mentioning Keith Law. Second one's me referencing the Discord. Um, uh, is like a guy like Yimer Candelario, who we've been talking about um, for a few weeks now. He can play third, first, DH, 815 OPS this year, one-year rental. I don't think you're going to have to break the prospect bank to get a like guy like that. And then I think he gives you insurance at several positions to be enough of an upgrade that you're helping the offense. Another good thing in terms of the bullpen is um, we've got Justin Wilson, whose return would seem to be imminent. I think he, he made uh, an appearance in um, uh, Arizona or the, yeah, the AZL. 
uh, and then he made uh, two appearances in Nashville, two innings. Uh, hasn't allowed a run in either of those innings in Nashville. So that's bringing a veteran reliever to the bullpen. We want to see what we've got out of Abner Uribe. I wouldn't mind seeing another uh, guy um, as insurance as well because, you know, relievers break (laughs) as well. So Piamps, Pagaro, Devin have had heavy workloads. Can you find a guy like Scott Barlow from the Royals, who we talked about last year, a bunch, to come in and uh, kind of give – them some relief there and have guys that have experience pitching in high leverage innings. I think there's a way to do both without breaking the bank. And we, I, we know the Brewers are not going to go all in on this season and trade from like Chorio, Freelich, Caro, Mizorowski, Tyler Black, Robert Gasser, uh, Carlos Rodriguez, Luis Lara, guys like that. They're probably untouchable uh, at this point. So if you can pick from around the edges and get towards the back half of that, top 20 list or the middle portion and take a guy from there uh, to just give yourself that little bump up forward in this division race featuring a lot of questionable teams. I think you can do it. I agree completely that they should not make a big push all your chips in move. I don't know what move is even to be had out there at this point for that, but I think there are guys around the edges and in the bullpen that can, like give them a bit more stability in the lineup and in the bullpen and make this a team that, okay, let's, you know, we got to win two out of three games in a three-game series, then we're in a division series, who knows what happened. I think that's there, and I wouldn't give up on, on the idea of that happening, uh, but I also wouldn't uh, I wouldn't be calling the Angels and being like, here's my Otani offer. Uh, we, <laughs> we, uh, we'll we give you Choria. I would not do that either. And to your point there. With this I, I will where... say with you though that is you've just come up with a like maybe the best doomsday scenario possible. <laughs> and we are like, oh god, we're losing Jackson Cheerio. Who are we getting? We're getting Shohei Itani. Um, uh, so I admire that's that's uncharacteristically optimistic for you. Yeah, that's not it's not on the horizon. I'm not going <laughs> to bet on that. Uh, but yeah, uh. I just think there are guys out there that make them better in spots. You, you talk about one thing that you could hope for is the internal improvement in areas. Is is Rowdy going to come back and be the Rowdy we know and love? We hope so. Uh, in right field, Freelicker, Tyrone Taylor, the combination of them, obviously, could that happen? Winker returning to form, that's one well, I'm less sure on. No, I think that one's not happening. We can rule that, that one out. See, that's why I need at least one bat. I need someone that I can just plug in at DH and that guy be my DH. Or maybe okay, okay. I've got alternate, um, yeah, yeah. Alternate I know what reality. you're gonna say, and it's what I was gonna say. Pull the ripcord, Adam. Go ahead. It's Kesson Hurt. Yeah, I mean, I I'd be fine with trying that out again too. If if the prices are too high, that's fine. I mean, I, the, I, this is the vision that they can sell, and they could be proven to be just horribly wrong in a very short period of time. Which is like, we need to get better at first base. Okay, well. We're gonna we're gonna bring up healthy Rowdy Telez. That's who's gonna be in the mix. TBD on whether that's actually the case. Um, we're gonna have Kesson Hura there. He could play there some days, and he'll DH more often than not. Okay, well he's been hitting. What could go wrong? Surely that's gonna carry over to the majors. And then oh, we need to bolster the bullpen. Well, Justin Wilson's ready. You want another starter? Here's Brandon Woodruff. And like all of that could pan out and be entirely true that, you know, 
the brewers had all their additions in house already, and were just they were if anything combination of injury circumstance and themselves you know they've been holding themselves back and this new version of the team will be unleashed it's possible it might be worth trying i like i i do get your i'm not going to be devastated if they're trading like top 20-ish prospects at the same time, I just uh, the end of this season might be a better time to do that, where you're resetting for a new year. I know there's a lot that factors into that, and I guess where we're coming from and the difference with the Brewers is the Brewers should have a much better idea of what the futures of Corbin Burns, Willie Adams, and Brandon Woodruff are, <laughs> um, even though they haven't been proactive one way or another really in doing much there. They should have in their plans. So they may be able to say, well, we intend on trading player X, player Y at this date and kind of construct their roster, construct their plans for how aggressive they are at this point around that too. We're not dealing from that place, although I think we can make reasonable assumptions. Yeah. Uh, the other names in the list uh that I think would provide some of that marginal upgrade in the DH spot are guys like Brent Rooker in Oakland, although he's tailed off in May and June. has bounced back a little bit in July. Uh, CJ Cron. He's, at... he's the guy I was alluding to earlier. He was like multiple years. Um, I feel like I saw four years, which I guess that's like for a player like that, I guess that's fine. And then you, you work from that. Am I right on that? Am I wrong on that? Uh, he's pre-arb. So, yeah. Oh, okay. He's cheap. <laughs> what, and um, then, for like, what do, the, what do the A's want for anything? Because that's the other side of the scale. It's like, at this point, what what are the A's even looking for in a return? Of course, the Brewers have had dealings with the A's in the not too distant past. Um, but for a player like Brent Rooker, what would you think the A's would ask of the Brewers? Uh, that's a great question because he might be the guy that's I don't know more enticing to more teams just because of the years of control and LGPS. But then also, like, he doesn't have the track record of doing this for much of his career, and he's had cooled off and had that slow stretch in May and June. So it's tough to say, but if you can get him for, you know, something that's not breaking the bank for one of the prospects that you really believe in, do it. But it the the cheapness and the uh, and that aspect of it and the lack of sellers with, like, really meaningful pieces that are going to upgrade your team, I mean... I know front offices are smarter than that, but they can be like, oh, he was he was an all-star the, the first <laughs> half of the year. We're adding an all-star to the mix, fans. Like, we can market the shit out of this. Like, um, Speaking so, Mark A's yeah, language now. That's a... Listen, I, I, would, I would take him at DH. I think I would like someone with the versatility of Yimer Candelario more. Uh, there are some other names I ran down that I was not a fan of like I just put on the list to talk about Tommy Pham's having a good year for the Mets nope. no thanks uh Lane Thomas is an interesting one for the Nationals he could be 
a a right field option. I don't know what his contract is um, exactly, and I don't know like what his pedigree is as a prospect and whether or not any of what he's doing this year is real and whether or not they want to hang on to him for whatever uh, the rest of, I guess, their next few years looks like. But he's he, he is having a good year, and it seems like every time I'm watching a Nats game, he does something good. So I added him to the list, but I don't think that's necessarily uh, one that the Brewers be interested in. 27 years old, uh, right fielder, has 844 OPS this year, 302 batting average, 14 homers. You know, it's, it's, I put him on the list just to talk about him. I don't think that's realistic. Uh, I mentioned Randall Gritchick and CJ Cron in Colorado. I don't, I don't really. Cron's having a really bad year. Um, mm-hmm. Gritchick's having a good year. I haven't looked at the splits, but maybe that's a Colorado course field bump for him. It's other than like, uh, Candelaria. Crom's year though like, would would make him a very good Brewers first baseman this year. That's the problem. That's that's very sad, Adam. You just made me very very sad. Um, Mark Canna, an outfielder, was and could potentially DH, and I think he's played first base some, uh, especially when Pete Alon- Alonzo was down this year. Is another intriguing one. I think. Uh, He's not having his best year. He's 34 now, so kind of not appealing from like a career trajectory standpoint. But like you said, you know, his performance this year would make him among some of the the better brewers. And also he's just like uh I think he's primarily a left fielder though. Uh so it it would be a first base DH play. And do you really want him being your full time first baseman? Or I mean you could have him as your DH. It's not like that's gonna uh, be worse than what you're getting right now. And he's also just like an awesome guy from, from what I've seen and uh, kind of the causes that he supports. So, you know, I'm, I naively look for things like that when I follow sports teams and sometimes it goes well and sometimes it doesn't. Uh, so, yeah, there are guys there that make this lineup better. If you could get – this is the the dumbest take I've ever had on this podcast – but if you can get them for reasonable prices, do it. If you can't, don't. There, I've said it. God, you'd make a really good executive. Uh, what about a name that we we joked about in a recent series and we're like, oh, you probably couldn't get him. Well, could you get him? Who knows? What about Cody Ballinger, Andrew? Wow. What if we, what if we team Belly and Yelly and we just we ride this, their boat on the up, their power is they can only seem to work in tandem. So what what would it actually be like if you put them on the same team? Do they do they ascend to a higher plane? You know what? I would actually be on board with that with the the belly renaissance. Uh, renaissance. You you move Joey back to right. Uh, yeah. Bellinger in center, and then you let it rip. I mean, not gonna happen. But you know what, Adam? I don't hate your brain <laughs> going there. I like it. He did. He did play some first base. I think for the Cubs this year too. Uh yeah he's he's played uh first base for the Dodgers as well I think uh it just turned out he was a really good defensive center fielder so that's kind of where he's landed uh I remember in the offseason we were uh wondering I remember too we're, we were speculating where is he gonna play and then we we're like oh yeah the Cubs are saddled with Eric Hosmer and then now Eric Hosmer's no longer there um but yeah it's this exercise I guess every year and. Is is getting bleaker and bleaker. I don't have any data to back this up, but it feels like adding playoff teams just naturally means that are going to be people that think they're in the race longer each season, uh, and that diminishes the seller's market. 
Um, the exact, this happened in the NBA too with the play-in, and it's it's even more extreme there because you've got so many more teams. But it's the same thing that happens. I mean, trade deadline, you could still get some big trades, but it's more, I guess, a knock-on of a buyout market in the NBA. Like, I, this is, it's always there. And, you know, for for one team, it may well be the solution and it may well deliver. For the majority of teams, it's underwhelming or often just gives you an opportunity to make a bad move for the sake of, well, if you don't make one now, this is it. You're stuck. This is this is what you've got for the next few months. I, part of this is why I I know there are elements in the flyers the Brewers took in the offseason, which ultimately, like Jesse Winker on paper as a flyer, we were like, okay, they could do worse with that. The offseason is the time to be more aggressive, though. Like, and kind of having an offseason where you're just kind of stitching from one year to another and then if you were in a place if they do try to make big things happen at a trade deadline it's just not really the way to go about things i do think for that reason they probably won't do anything too significant now maybe we'll be playing that clip back just in a way that you know you set up the josh Hader trade last year uh but yeah we'll we'll see i just maybe the lesson here is if it's time to use prospects or whatever, let's maybe be a bit more aggressive in the offseason and give yourself a full season or run where you're like, okay, this is what we've got and maybe sort out some of the problems early on. Because, I mean, we shouldn't overlook, too, a lot of the good that the prospects have given the Brewers. That didn't all come out exactly by design. Um, I don't think this was how they drew it up, that there would be the reliance on a lot of the guys there has been. I think that's part of what we saw with Bryce Rang's drop-off in form and uh, being assigned to Nashville for a while before coming back up and looking right at home again. They could have been more aggressive and maybe they would have made the pad easier all around in the offseason. And I guess I'm leaning towards, you know what, that's what that's what the, the next offseason is for. Don't don't burn too much now. Yeah, I guess that's that's where my prediction is gonna wind up as. Like uh as much as I would like uh one meaningful but not uh but not break the bank worthy bet. Um I'm gonna have my same prediction as I had last year. Uh one or two relievers. Um but yeah, it's I don't know. They're just they're just in a really weird spot. It's it's not quite purgatory, but it's definitely not heaven. Uh, and so that makes uh the decision making a little tougher. And as we as I've said a million times, this could be a different discussion in 2 weeks. Um but overall, I think either way, just be- because of the division and because of what we've seen in the last few weeks, like I think if they do nothing, I still think they could sneak in, and oh yeah, we're having we're having they could win uh, the division. Like it's some, yeah, it's possible. I'm, part of me really just doesn't like the oh, this conversation could be entirely different in two weeks because you're making decisions that are going to affect your long term future based purely on the results of the now. And I, I, uh, I think I, that's fine if you're five games back of the Reds on trade deadline day, and you find and then you're like, okay, we got to pull the Corbin Burns card. Like I think. I think it's fine making that decision at that point. But if you're leading the division again, 
I mean, I, I know it's stupid to make it over small sample sizes, but that's kind of what it's going to be, right? Like, otherwise, I mean, if you're playing for something, then... It, it just comes it. down not, to... Don't. I mean, I know the answer to this, and I just don't necessarily want to feel the same way. It's like, well, what is, what is success to the Brewers? What is success to the ownership is what that comes down to. Like, wh- where do the priorities lie on that in terms of, is it important to be a playoff team this year? Um and probably go absolutely nowhere, but you're a playoff team. Is it important to do that kind of every year? And again, to hope that one of these bites of the apple pays off, or will there ever be a point where you're like, you know, let's let's build towards being like a front runner in a very very serious way. It doesn't guarantee anything in baseball, but you know what, your odds are probably still better. Uh, than just hoping, oh, we're going to come from right at the back of the pack and we're going to be, you know, the Cinderella story. Uh, I think that's that's part of it too where I find it a little bit tough because, yeah, I, I would, with where this team is at on their longer journey, I would be applying a bit more kind of process-oriented thinking to this, which is a 10-game stretch could decide this season but it shouldn't really determine anything in terms of moves that are going to have longer term implications because yeah, it could be the thing that pushes you to trade Corbin Burns, but if that's the case, you should be ready to trade Corbin Burns right now as well. If, if the offer comes in, you, you can't have the, the exact point where that hinges on come at this point. Cause I think it says something either way, reflective of what you think the team ceiling is this year. And I think it's not necessarily doing it, because of a 10 game stretch so much as it is what that 10 game game stretch places you at on the totality of the season hot april may was bad june june uh was it was the record in june like middling and then middling yeah good start to july if the second half of july tanks i think on the on the whole what your season is telling you is you're a team that's not not built for a stretch run and you should flip that switch and build for the future to an extent I, on the other hand, to, to your larger point, and as much as I would say I want them to buy, I also don't think a hot 10-game stretch in July should have them being like, win now, win now, win now. I think there's either a middle ground for a team that's in a division race or a team saying, we're going to cash in our biggest chip and we're going to do it now, and here's what it looks like. And I think the hundreds of games worth of data that we're going to have by the time we get... um to the deadline is enough of a sample to know if that selling is a right decision or a wrong decision. I like the value of a playoff run might be viewed differently to them this year too. I say run, maybe even just an appearance, a playoff series, a wildcard series, whatever it might be. Like maybe part of what factors into that is, Hey, is it a bad idea to get a, Joey Weimer, Bryce Tarang, a taste of playoff baseball, maybe Garrett Mitchell, he could be back. Hopefully having the rebase still going great, like guys who maybe they're factoring in as younger players will be around for a long time. Cause it's also going to be a key part of this team. You know, the transition, Corbin Burns is elsewhere. If Brandon Woodruff ends up elsewhere. It's like, okay, you're gonna be looking around for where the playoff experience is in the team. And it's certainly not gonna come from a whole bunch of guys other than Christian Yelich who have it with the Brewers. So maybe that's another factor too. 
one player that I feel like is kind of the forgotten man of the Brewers. And I just feel like maybe there's something there for another team. And I wonder, are there players like this that we're not thinking about? Luis Arias, there must be a team who'd be like, we'll, like, there must be a, there must be one of these perfect trades where someone has, maybe it's an outfielder, maybe it's a first baseman, you know, change the scenery deal. It's just like, this isn't quite working here or for us. Maybe it works for you and maybe your guy works for us because it's really tough right now to see the way back for we show. I don't entirely see what the point of it would be. And with that in mind, like the longer that goes on, there's not going to be any value for him. This feels like the juncture where to have demoted him now is probably the time to be like, okay, well, he's still he's still pretty fresh off being a major league player. Sure, he struggled when he was last up, but he's not a he's not a player without a track record. Who likes what's there? There must be someone who will feel like, yeah, that's worth a flyer. And maybe there's kind of a I don't know, a mutually beneficial agreement to be made on a player like Luis Arias. I feel like that's what we could we in the past I think have said similar things about like Tyrone Taylor. I think that ship has sailed. I don't think that's actually the case. But I do think with Luis Arias, maybe, maybe there is a team who'd be like, Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's interesting. I guess, I, I guess that's certainly possible, or at the very least, um him being a part of the package that gets you to the point that I talked about where you're like, I, I'm not parting with prospects that are like making me For feel sure. a little regret regretful. So that could be the ticket. Um, uh, I was hoping for a, a Weecho resurgence has not happened yet. Um, really tough, tough shakes for him, but maybe, yeah, maybe, it, maybe a change of scenery really could actually benefit him and he could be a valuable trade trip. I had not thought about that. Um, a guy who probably less so that would also fit that description, but less so because of, I guess, injury uncertainty would be Eric Lauer, um, uh, a team looking for a back half of the rotation starting pitcher and being like, yeah, we can fix him. But I guess he's still not pitching, is he? Um, I haven't heard. I haven't heard. Uh, I guess not. I don't think so. And that's a weird situation. So that's a tough one. But yeah, again, like someone who is like established, this is a major league player. They have a track record. It's not a complete shot in the dark for someone, and maybe it's like this could be a buy low opportunity on someone who is more useless right now than they do to the Brewers. And maybe the inverse of that can then reward the Brewers from the other side of that deal. I, I think those kind of things are interesting too. Like they are things I would be aggressive on. If you've got players who are not prospects, like you're not talking about, oh, well, this guy's going to turn into something. If you're like, maybe this is the end of the road for these guys here. Maybe that extends further into players who we consider as starters. I don't know. But that's where, if those deals are available and that's how you can upgrade, well, yeah, they're the deals that are worthwhile because they may also be deals that are make you better into next year or the year after that, whatever that might be. And now... We await rumor season to kick into full swing because I'm sure that's coming. Uh, I'm sure Jeff Passan will be tweeting things. Uh, all the other newsbreakers, I'm drawing a blank right now. But yeah, uh, 
yeah, Ken Rosenthal, who just loves putting the Brewers names in trade discussions. Your favorite um, John Heyman. My favorite John Heyman. Uh, uh, That's Bob your Ma- favorite John Heyman, who may also be your favorite John Heyman, but just for just for clarity. Uh, maybe you know some other good John Heyman. So. No. Uh, okay. Um, Bob Nightingale. Uh, you know, just all all those guys. At the end of the day, the conclusion we've come to is the Brewers are in a really weird spot. But we're kind of excited about what's coming forward. So there we go. Yeah, I don't think there are any easy decisions. Um, Although that doesn't mean that it's not possible to make big mistakes. (laughs) That's certainly something I wouldn't like to see them do for the second year running. We'll see how they handle all things trade deadline and of course we will talk more about trade rumors as they emerge and we may dive into individual guys in some greater detail too as part of uh, some of our regular pods over the next few weeks as we get closer to that August 1st deadline. To make sure you don't miss any of that or any of Rotor Brewers talk, subscribe wherever you get your podcast. that's cruising for bruising. You should also check out the rest of the GSPN shows. Eurostep Podcast Network, the main feed, home to all things Milwaukee books. Eurostep with Ty and Rohan, Women 6 with myself and Jordan Tresky. Talking to Sandra, also with Jordan, plus Numa, talking all things Green Bay Packers. And then for movies, pop culture, stuff like that, we've got to make time for this with myself and Andrew once again. Thanks again to all of you for listening. Thank you, Andrew. Thanks, Adam. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.